Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Find the places that make you the most uncomfortable. Find the places that that elicit the biggest emotions for you, and that's where to start. And that's where I think it's important to tune in a little bit, calm the chaos around you, and just say and just ask yourself these questions. Like, ask yourself, why does this make me feel so uncomfortable? Why does this put a pit in my stomach? Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hey, welcome back to Everyone's Talking Money. I'm your host, Shauna Game. You know, my passion is truly in helping you opt out of the negative self-talk and thinking around money so you can step into your own version of a rich life. So before we get into the episode, if you haven't done so already, I would love to invite you to leave a rating and review for the show. You can head to whatever podcast player you're listening to this episode in right now, or you can head to the little link in the show notes that will drive you right over there. And I just thank you so much for 
uh, taking time to rate and review the show. It really does help the show grow. So if you haven't done so already, I'd love to invite you to leave a review. All right. Did you ever have bad dreams when you were a kid? Maybe you thought there was something lurking in your closet or under your bed, like the boogie monster. Now that boogie monster might be replaced by bad dreams about money. Our guest in this episode, Megan Dyer, she's a certified financial planner, host of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. She is here to take away all of those bad money dreams. I get that money can feel scary. It's a primal need and you can't escape it. So the question is, how do you move money out of that scary place? Well, in this episode, Megan will share some truths and words of wisdom to help you do just that. We're going to talk about why envisioning the future you is so important, how planning for the unexpected can actually help money be less scary, and why it's really, really okay to like money, despite what society might lead you to believe. So whether you're in full-on scarcity mode or you just want to feel more confident about your money, this episode is for you. All right, let's start talking. You know, I bet if we pulled kind of everyone listening to this episode right now, there's probably a large percentage of people that would probably check the box that says something like money is scary. And I, you know, I know we both know from working with people as financial planners, there's, you know, it doesn't matter how much money somebody has, they still believe money is scary, that they'll never have enough, that they're making all the wrong, wrong choices. I mean, we could go on and on with this, but why do you think this is? Why do you think we all think that money is so scary? Well, because it's so taboo. It's because it's one of those topics that is still not talked about, right? I know from growing up, we never talked about money. My dad did the bills like one day a month and it was like, get out of his way. <laughs> Don't want to deal with him that day. <laughs> and um, and then you know, it was never talked about. And um, and then, you know, we'd go out shopping or I was with my mom and I'd be like, hey, can I have this? And she'd be like, nope, got to wait for your dad to get paid. And I never really understood. And I didn't know that um, – I didn't really know what money represented, I guess. And so I think that's so common in so many households. And the other piece to this is we're not taught about it. We're not taught um, any kind of financial education in school. So – Without having that background, that kind of basic knowledge of how money works, um, without having the conversations in the household around money, of course it's scary. Everything is scary when you don't know what the first thing about how to handle it, right? Or how to even think about it. So I think that's so, com- that's one of the reasons it's so common or th- this fear is so common for so many people. And don't you think also, I, I think I should say that you know, money is this thing that no matter how much we try to escape it, we absolutely need it. Like yeah. it's just, a, it's part of like air and water and it's Food, yeah. unfortunately something, yeah, something that we need. And so when anything comes along that maybe shakes it a little bit or we don't understand how it works, uh, because I know, you know, money can feel very complicated. Be, we make it feel very complicated yeah. to people for some reason. That that inherently just creates kind of this this scared feeling as well. Yeah, absolutely. I say this all the time. You can't avoid it, right? It's so 
we think we can avoid it by not looking at it. Maybe we don't want to look at our bank accounts or our statements or something like that. But ultimately, money is a part of our lives every single day, whether we want to or not, right? We think we're not spending money one day because we don't go and get our our daily coffee or something. But then that automatic payment's going to hit your account, right? And that's going to elicit feelings too. So no matter what, money is a part of our everyday lives. And instead of avoiding it or letting somebody else handle it for us or pretending it doesn't exist, I think the biggest thing here is creating a healthy relationship with it, just like it is with anything, with it, with the people that are in your lives, you know, uh, or um, I think a healthy relationship with, um, with, you know, nutrition and food and things like that, because these are all things that you can't live without. Right. We all it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our lives. So we need to kind of come to terms with it and um, and and approach it from a healthier direction. Yeah, I want to talk about the relationship with money that you and I both share very sort of common feeling about that. But you talk about this idea of money being scary as something that you call like a surface level feeling, but it takes, you know, kind of digging into the root issue to figure out yeah. why do we actually believe this to be true? And there's a lot of questions here, a lot of directions I want to go with, but how, how can we, or how can it be, I guess, a surface level feeling when for so many of us, it feels so real? Yeah. Well, the way I think about this is it's never about the thing. It's about the feeling behind the thing, right? So money itself the actual physical dollars, right? The change. I see my kids that are, they're like counting their change in their piggy bank and stuff. It's, that's just the physical thing. To us, it's so much more, it's about the meaning that we assign to it, right? So what does money actually represent to us? For a lot of people, um, a lot of women, I think in particular, this is really common. Money means safety, Money means security. It means a sense of yeah. well-being. It means a sense of control. So I think we need to um, slow down a little bit when it comes to thinking that that fear and when it comes to kind of the everyday around money. And we need to kind of like tune out all the stuff around us and tune into ourselves. And what does it actually mean for ourselves? This is very much, in my mind, a personal journey versus like just a matter of, hey, if I get the right financial planner or if I learn more about Roth IRAs, then I will have mastered my money. I think it's so much more of a, um, a kind of personal awakening and a personal relationship that needs to happen around what does money represent to me? What are those beliefs that I've been taught about what money represents to me? And where where do I kind of want to go from there? What is it that I'm craving? What are my values right now? What are my beliefs? What are my priorities? And kind of aligning all of that together. And once you have that kind of base, then you can work from there and you can start to be more intentional with your money. So how do we dig down to figure out what some of those root issues are or yeah. you know wh what's going on behind the feelings because I, I you know i think we can we can talk about it but practically i think a lot of people are just kind of unsure like how do i know what actually is really going on like specifically if i've never really investigated it or or thought about it or even really know the information i think the best place to start is with what makes you uncomfortable so if if looking at your bank account statement and you see that there is a charge for, I don't know, a subscription or something that you, that, that, um, 
that you bought. I'm just making something up. Um, a subscription that you have on there and you're like, oh, that just puts a pit in your stomach because maybe you didn't care about that or whatever it is. It's just something that that doesn't mean anything to you. Find the places that make you the most uncomfortable. Find the places that that elicit the biggest emotions for you. And that's where to start. And that's where I think it's important to start to, to again, get get tune in a little bit, calm the chaos around you and just say, and just ask yourself these questions. Like ask yourself, why does this make me feel so uncomfortable? Why does this put a pit in my stomach? Mm-hmm. Um, and follow those. Those are the red flags in my mind, the things that make you uncomfortable, the the things that make you, I don't know, that bring up the biggest, the biggest emotions for you. And for me, it's, I mean, I'm a big, I'm an emotional person, so I'm a big crier. It's those it's the things that, um, you know, maybe we lose sleep over or the stuff that comes up in the middle of the day when we're not even expecting it, right? Um, those are the red flags. And I think we need to pay attention to those red flags. So how do we do that? We need to give ourselves the grace of slowing down and actually tuning in. And and for me, I write, like I will just literally write it out. Like, what is it about mm, this yeah. charge? What is it about this that bothers me? And you can discover a lot about yourself from there. Like go a layer deep. So for like start at the surface and then kind of go a little bit, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. So you could be like, okay, this charge makes me uncomfortable. Why? Well, because I never really wanted to pay for that in the first place. Okay. Well, why? Um, Is there something else that you would really, you would rather spend those dollars on? Yeah. Well, okay. What is that? And, and, and why? And I think that's going to help you kind of keep Get the the further down you drill, that's going to help you get to the root of both your priorities, so your values and your intentions and the things that matter to you, as well as um, start to work through maybe the initial fear, and you'll start to recognize that maybe it's not so fearful. Maybe it's just something that you could sit with that maybe is uncomfortable, and then we can kind of work towards taking action steps to move through that or approach it from a different perspective. And what would you say to somebody who is in that place where, you know, money is just really tight, where they could do this kind of investigation and they can ask all the questions and look at how they're spending money. But at the end of the day, things are just just really tight and they just feel, you know, a lot of emotions, but they don't feel like there are a lot of options. Like what do you what do you say to somebody who's who's in that position? Yeah. And I, again, I I I struggle. I think we've all struggled with that at some point in our lives, right? At at some place, and I will say that there are always options, and that those options come with how much you're willing to change and how much you want to change in your life, right? Um, sometimes we feel like we're so backed into a corner and we don't know how to get out. But there are always options. So I think starting from a place of knowledge is the most important part here. So really getting clear on what is coming in and what is going out as far as spending, right? And that's not just your salary. That's after tax, after all the all the other stuff comes out of your pay stubs. And look at, and then also being clear on what you're actually spending. I think so many people think that they're spending. A certain amount or they're spending in certain ways. But then when you actually look at the numbers, maybe it's not, right? So 
it's funny. I used to work for a company that um, we would send out a um, a budget spreadsheet to them and say, hey, fill this out so you can tell us what you're spending. And it just seems a little backwards because most people don't fill it out right. They fill it out the way that they want to <laughs> fill it out, not the way that it right. actually is right now, right? So if if we can, um, I think a helpful tool is to, there's all kinds of tools out there. There's like mint.com and there's um, a bunch of different t- budgeting and, and um um, online tools that you can use to link accounts from your bank accounts and your credit cards. And I think it's so important to get clear uh, on what is actually going on here. And these tools will help to consolidate the expenses to give you kind of an overall number of, hey, what are you spending on a monthly basis? And then categorize from there. So I think the important part is to the most important part here is the knowledge. And then you can work backwards from there. You can figure out, okay, well, what do I absolutely have to, what do I need to live off of? What are, what is the essentials and what are maybe some non-essentials? And then, and then the other aspect of this is on kind of the income side too. I think for, for women, sometimes it's hard to, um, to say what we're, what we believe we're worth because we're so used to other people telling us what we're worth. So the advocating for ourself piece is, is huge here as well. And I think building up, again, that kind of internal relationship with yourself in order to get to a place where we can maybe ask for more, right? Advocate for more, advocate for what we need. That's that's super empowering part. Of, it's a super empower, empowering part of this process. You know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because I have researched a lot of different thought models and really like how important your thoughts are to just a whole sort of chain reaction because your thoughts influence your feelings and then that influences, you know, your actions, your patterns, your behaviors. So if we want to change an action or behavior, we really have to start with the thought that originates behind it. And Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, this idea of money being scary what could we choose to think instead that would be healthier and create, you know, a better money outcome for us almost no matter what, you know, money situation we're in at the present moment. I think my biggest um light bulb moment for me was when I recognized that money this is where money didn't have the power over me that I I feel like it used to and that many of us grow up with, right? We're taught that money is the more money you have, the more status you have, right? So therefore, the more successful you are, the more, you know, we we look up to these people that have more and more and more money, right? So it is a status. But money is just a tool. And if you don't use it for the right things, then you're not going to feel the benefit of that, right? But if you do use it for the right things, then you will. And it doesn't have to be at the same scale. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be at the same level as you know the person next door or the person that we're comparing ourselves to, right? So, I do think that there's the there knowing that money in the definition of success and our culture's definition of success is based on money and fame and all of that. But once you kind of realize that you, that it, it's not that way for me, I've kind of had to do that own personal work. And for me, it's what money means for me is freedom and flexibility and um, security, right? Having the ability to be able to take care of myself and the ability to take care of my family. And I think if we can all get to a place where we can define that for ourselves, that is huge. 
And so that was kind of my light bulb moment there. And that's where the um, the mindset starts to shift. You start to, I, I think the biggest piece, so many of us grew up with this mindset of scarcity. Um, and I think a lot of that is just from, you know, the generations, like our parents ge- inherited you know, ge- sure, yeah. generational scarcity from their parents and all of that. So I think that if we can sort of turn that around and, re- and again, this comes with, um, very, at, the, at a very basic level of, you know, gratitude and saying, Hey, I, maybe I do have everything I, I, I need right now. Is it everything I want? Not necessarily, but do I have everything I need right now? Then that helps again, helps kind of shift that mindset from a very basic level to a place of empowerment instead of victimhood. Mm, I like that a lot. You know, I, I it's hard to do, and I've been at many points in in my life and in my career where things felt scary, money felt scary. I didn't know the right choices, and I think I put myself in a place of being so stressed out that like I just couldn't even think clearly. Yeah, we all do. And yeah, and so I I really you know, a lot of times I'll I'll get questions from listeners who are like, "Yeah, but you know, my my financial si- situation is so grim. Like I I don't know what to do and I, you know, what advice do you have?" And I keep coming back to like it has to start with the thoughts it has to start from that place right. because if you can reframe something even just momentarily a different way what it allows like your brain and your body to do is relax enough that maybe you can see options or right. you know oh maybe there's an opportunity here or you know but when we're in this like frantic mode we just we can't do anything oh, yeah. well <laughs> you're absolutely right i think we put so much emphasis and i struggle with this myself believe me i've got i've been going through um a similar experience over the last couple of months where i let the money make the decisions for me and i I I back myself into a corner and I tell myself that I'm that victim because I have to do this because I, I don't have the money, right, to do something different. And that is such... Um, narrow-minded thinking, as I think about my, my kids are learning in school, um, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And so when you kind of, it, it's hard. It's hard to get to that place when you've been thinking in a, with a fixed mindset for 30, 40 years, so whatever it is, right? <laughs> um, it's so hard to shift. But I I, I swear, I, I, I'm with you. I'm right with you that, that the I think that's the only way out. The only way out of that mindset and and letting the external control the the internal control you is to be able to take little tiny shifts in your thought process. And from those little tiny shifts, right, then you'll start to feel empowered to take little tiny action steps. And those little tiny action steps may actually get you somewhere. And and I I start to see it. And some days it just feels like impossible. Right. But, (laughs) and I get that. I totally get that. It does. Um, But you got to stick with it because I think we also, as a culture, we get so, um, like, it feels good to feel bad. So, oh, yeah. We like to. And I I don't think it necessarily feels good. It, It feels comfortable. It feels familiar because that's what we're used to. I think so much of this fear is actually fear of, fear of feeling good 
fear of feeling something different than what we've been used to feeling for the last whatever it is, 30 or 40 years. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnit in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. 
I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. All right, Megan, it's time to play your relationship with money is game. So question number one, if you had to describe your relationship to money as a cartoon character, who would it be? This is such a great question. <laughs> so I would say that I have to, it's a two piece answer for me. I would say my relationship with money used to be Charlie Brown. And I always think of this because I just watched this episode with my kids recently, the Halloween, um, uh, the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown episode yes. where they're out trick or treating and all the other kids are saying, I got a lollipop, I got a chocolate. And he goes, I got a rock. Right. <laughs> and we laugh at that in my house, but it's like, it's just so representative of this kind of like um, victim y kind of mindset that we throw ourselves in and we get we get into. And I, I know for sure it's, it's something that I've inherited in my family. But, um, it doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't feel good to carry around a bag of rocks when you're out trick or treating. So, I've I've through a lot of the work that I've done, I would say, you know, now it's more Snoopy. It's more ha- happy to be here and just enjoying it and going with the flow. Question number 2. What first thought comes to mind when you think about money? I think it's complicated. Next question, if you had an endless supply of money, what's the first thing you would spend it on? I would Probably take my family on a vacation. That would be the very first thing I would do. All right. Last question. What is one money secret you have that maybe you haven't shared with a lot of people? I tend to, I'm the one in my house who I'm the kind of the financial planner. So I handle all the finances and I spend money on things without telling my husband all the time. I do things like I invest in coaching. I, I do um, a lot of things that for myself that I don't tell him about. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I think that's a really powerful statement. And I I, I mean, we could spend hours Mm -hmm. like dissecting that one thing, because I think you're, you're so right when we talk about scarcity and the messaging around money and kind of the way the whole money system, the whole financial system is, is built very much on a scarcity message and so, you know, bucking up against that and allowing yourself to to think, wow, like what would it like what would it look like to just feel good? And yeah. even just to feel good in whatever situation, like 
how how might that change? I feel like we forget we forget that there is that there are other options. And so you can sit here and listen to me say there's always another way, right? But if you don't actually believe it and I mean like believe it to your core, like feel it, like you feel it in your body, um then you can't get there, right? You're not going to be able to get there. So it certainly is a a huge shift that I think start it has to start personally. It has to start internally. No one out there is going to be able to save you and change, you know, as much as we, I think the message that we get as culturally as, as kids and, and, you know, through our, through our childhood, we get this message that, you know, Prince Charming is going to come and sweep us off our feet and we're going to go live in a castle. Right. And, (laughs) and, and we're going to live happily ever after. Right. That's not reality. And I think sometimes that can be, um, that can be hard. It can be hard. It certainly is for me. And when I, when I realized that that's not how life really is, it, it, it was painful and it's been painful to, it has been painful to work through. And I know I'm not alone in this. And I, I share, these are the things I share on my podcast because I want people to know that they're not alone in these feelings and we can get through to the other side and we can't get, and we can get through it together. Okay, friend, I want to know, What are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, Beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. 
Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in The Daily Book Club. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Where else do you see, Megan, where else do you see people really getting stuck when it comes to, you know, their money and their goals? We're we're here at the end of the year and there's always this pressure as we roll into a new year about like new year, new you and go and do everything and, you know, do all the goals. And I think for a lot of people, it feels like a lot of pressure. Where else do you see people get stuck in that in that process? Yeah, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to change right away. To, so I, I think New Year's resolutions, they just drive me crazy because as we all know, right? You know, you make the you make the decision that you're like, I'm gonna lose weight, and then I go to the you go to the gym for three weeks and then it's it, you know, you don't you don't keep it up. But it's not a short-term thing. This has to be if you want to make changes, it has to be changes that are so small and that are so doable that you don't even realize that you're making the changes, but you are. And, you, and, and that's because you can start to feel yourself ever so slightly um, feeling better about things, right? So I think we need to get seriously intentional. And this is such a good time after the I like this time of year because after the chaos of the holidays, it gets quiet. At least it does in my world. The The chaos of the work and the meetings stop and my kids are back to school and I can actually take some time to just breathe and figure out what is it that I want to, what's important to me right now? And what, what do I, what, what, what do I like? What happened last year? Like, what did I like about last year? And what didn't I like about last year? And how do I want to be? What I, the exercise that I always like to do is think about future you. So it's funny. I just did this holiday shopping or holiday spending workshop and I, and I did it in November and I kept, kept saying, let's think about January you. Where do you want to be in January? Who do you want to be? How do you want to feel in January? Do you want to feel depleted, overwhelmed, um, just tired, stressed out, feeling like you've got this huge, um, this huge credit card bill and you gained six pounds, you know what I mean, over the holidays. Do you want right, to feel right. that way or do you uh, do you want to feel like comfortable with yourself? Do you want to feel ready to tackle, empowered and excited to tackle a new year and to have all these have all these goals. Like, how do you want to feel? Right. So, and then sort of back into it from there. So I think, you know, if we can take this exercise from the place of kind of looking into the new year, who do you want to be at the end of at De- December 31st of 2024? Who do you want to be? What goals have you set for yourself? And I always feel like set realistic goals for yourself. Um, every time I tend to, I tend to be somebody, I come from this like perfectionist 
background and I think of things in black and <laughs> white. So both. I'm like, yeah, I think a lot of women are, right? So I I, I say, oh, well, I am. I tend to send, to set very lofty, high goals for myself. And when I do that, I have to check myself because I feel like I like that's not going to happen. So let's think about something that's more realistic and let's cut it back right to something that makes sense. So if I'm going to save, if my goal is to save $5,000 next year, right? Maybe 5,000 seems a little bit high. Maybe we start with 2,500. Maybe we do three. And then we start, we, and then we check in with ourselves kind of periodically throughout the year and we see where we're at with that. But every goal is different and every person is different. And, and that's why it's important to really get clear with yourself and be honest with yourself about what are your habits? What are the things that you want to continue doing? Um, what has worked for you? Right. Cause we also, as it's change is also m- more about celebrating the good things that we've done and where we've gotten to than it is saying, Hey, everything sucks right now. And I need to change. (laughs) I just feel like (laughs) we need to have positive reinforcement because the negative isn't going to be a good motivator for us. So I hope that's helpful. (laughs) I like that idea of thinking about the future you and, and even visualizing that like I mean, you could get really nitty gritty with this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? You know, uh, what habits do you have? What does this new version of you look like? And then, you know, kind of rolling back, okay, where am I now? And what are those small little, you know, small little changes that I need to make? Because I think, again, when we talk about money, we tend to talk about the in like big sweeping Right. strokes of of these things that you need to do that feel very lofty. And then you get in the middle of that goal and you're like, whoa, I mean, I, this is crazy. Like, yeah, my tires, you know, went out and I had to replace them. And, you know, I didn't get the raise I was thinking at work or maybe things went well. I don't know. But you you get stuck in the middle of the goal and then it just feels so big. So I've always been a big proponent of of really breaking things down into, into small, small little steps. Yeah. And I think it's just it's really helpful for for your brain to be able to see that that little bit of progress. Like it keeps you motivated. Absolutely. And the other thing that you just made me think of is um, that I really like to do is plan for the unexpected. Factor it all in, right? So when we're talking about, I just I just said an example. I just said if you want to save five thousand dollars, maybe you cut that back because you say of that $5,000 of that $5,000 i need 1000 to be able to cover those things right and we need to factor in the fact that life isn't perfect and things are always going to go off from plan right so and that's again the perfectionist mindset in me thinking like well oh i had yeah i need a new tire i need i needed a new tire this month or you know whatever things happen things always happen where you're going to need to spend likely more than you expected to so factor that into all of this too and give yourself a little bit of a break when it does happen because it's going to happen i think human we're human i see you see those um like insurance commercials out there that are it's that are saying, well, that's what insurance is for, right? You get, are going <laughs> to get into a fender bender. You're going to have something is going to happen. Something is going to, you know, someone's going to hit a parked car in a parking lot, right? So, um, so just know that that's part of this process is expecting things to not necessarily go according to plan. Mm. Yes. Whew. 
Wow. I mean, these are like big, heavy topics yeah. <laughs> that yeah. we're talking about. <laughs> and I, I wanted to ask you something else. I, I recently read a blog post that you wrote where you talked about financial abundance and you talked about this idea that it's okay to like money. Yeah. And I think this is something we've been talking about a little bit, but you know, there's this narrative that exists that it's not okay to like money. Yeah. And it was funny, I was I was creating a program for an organization a few years ago and I named it uh Fall in Love with Your Money. And I got so much pushback from people. Yeah. And I'm like, look, wow. I'm not telling you to be greedy. I'm not telling you to like I'm like, this is an example of this narrative and why we need to let people have permission to like their money, to, you know, like um even the the pursuit of money, and I think that the, the messaging just gets so mumbled jumbled mm -hmm. for us. Absolutely. You know, tell me about this. Tell me about like what you wrote. Like, yeah. you know, why why is it okay to like money? Yeah, I mean, and especially for women too. I will add. I mean, the we were brought up right to feel like we have just enough. And we can get by on whatever we're given, right? We were told, we we're kind of taught, we're taught to stay small, to look pretty, to do what we're told, right? And I think that that keeps us so small, that keeps us so stifled, and we're meant for more. We're meant for so much more than that. And again, we're taught too in our culture that this there's this general message out there that people who have more, the more people who have money the they're they're bad people with money are bad right and or they do or they're greedy or they do bad things with their money right and the truth is that's not true you could find somebody out there that says you could find somebody that has millions and millions and millions of dollars that does so much good with their money right they give to tons of charities and they support people and their families and they do all good things and they live a good healthy you know, enjoyable life. But you can also find people out there that have millions and millions of dollars that don't do any of that, that just hold it, hold on to it, right? And that keeps you stuck. So, but on the other side, you can see people who don't have nearly as much money, you know, and they're also doing really good things. So it has nothing to do, in my mind, it, this is more about the character of the person than it is about the, the money. Money is not a attribute. Money is just a tool. Right? It's a tool to help us <laughs> yes. to help us do things. It's not a characteristic. It's not an it's not a way to describe somebody, right? They have money. That's not a way to describe somebody. So I think we need to um check that with ourselves first and check those beliefs that we have around what money represents. Again, like what money what other people with money mean to us, um, or other people without money therefore mean to us, right? That's important for us to check in with those um, with those beliefs because, again, we've been conditioned a certain way our entire lives. Um, but the other piece to this is, yeah, like money is a resource. Money is a tool. It allows us to have the things that we want to have in our lives, right? So having it is not a bad thing. Having money allows me to be able to go to Legoland with my kids and see how happy they are. Right? It allows um, it allows me to or to pay for them to play basketball. It allows for us to have Disney Plus so we can watch 
movies together at night. Um, it allows me to be able to go take a yoga class that makes me feel really good, right? It's so it, it's a it's a resource, and none of those things that I just described make me a bad person. So I think we need to again just check ourselves and say think to ourselves, what does this really mean? Money, having money is not, does not make you a bad person. And wanting to have more money does not make you a bad person because the more money people have, the more good we can do with it. Honestly, if I had more money, I would be donating to so many more charity organizations because I have (laughs) such a passion for so many, there's certain things that just, that just make me, um, give me purpose, right? And there's there's things that I get so emotional about and that are important to me that I want to support. And I think, again, we think that money equals selfishness, equals greediness, but it's it's not. It's just a resource. And I, this is a very unpopular opinion, by the way. Um, <laughs> and yes, again, it's very unpopular. It's a mindset shift. It's a massive mindset shift that I, again, didn't have until very recently, until you know, sometime in the last couple of years, it even clicked to me that, wait, wow, okay. I, I used to be so jealous of the people that had the things that I didn't have. And I think it's it, it's an again it's internal work that we have to do with ourselves um and that having that knowledge that money doesn't mean anything about somebody else right and we can create the life that we want to have it's just a matter of getting of getting in the right mindset in order to feel empowered to do that I love the exercise where you envision the future you I'm going to really work on that over the holidays and see where where I'm out of alignment because I have a feeling there are some places where I am just not living in the future you version. And I think more than anything, you know, you can't move money out of the scary place overnight. But what Megan argues is that these small, tiny little action steps really do create a big change in your overall relationship and just interaction with money. So the goal is always to feel more in control and at ease, no matter what life throws your way. It's hard work, as Megan says, but it's really important work. If you want to connect with Megan, you can check out her podcast. I highly recommend it. Money Isn't Scary on any podcast player. She's got some incredible episodes, including ones with yours truly. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to whatever podcast player, leave us some rating and review, hopefully five stars, and share this episode with somebody right now. I will see you back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode. 